I would like you to put your hand over your heart, and I'd like you to pray with me. Father, we ask that today that you would enable us to have spiritual eyes to see you more correctly, more intimately than we ever have before. And Lord, give us its spiritual eyes plus our physical eyes to see everyone else here as you see them. We know that's your will, so we know we have the answer. Amen? Amen. Question I want you to think about. What do we talk about? You don't have to answer it out loud. What do we talk about? Any day, any time. And I'm not thinking so much the specifics, because we could sit here and talk all day about here are the things we talked about this week. We only talk about what we have seen or heard. Because what? That's all we know. What we've seen and heard. That's what we talk about. So now I'll phrase it a different way. What did we talk about this week to people around us? What are we as a body talking about? As a group of people who love Jesus, what are we talking about? And it gets to this third question. My wife reminded me a couple weeks ago, you ask all kinds of questions when you speak and you don't give anybody a chance to answer them. There's a purpose for most of that. But the things that we are talking about, and and believe you me, I've spent quite a bit of time in this this week. (laughs) And so I've heard the message many, many times. So God has spoken a lot to me. It's like, wow, he's working in me. Is what we talk about Is it helping people learn more about Jesus and desire to seek him? Sports won't do that. Weather won't do that. Even talking about your children or grandchildren won't do that. The issue is, if we are talking about, we're seeing and hearing the things of God at work. That's what will impact people for Jesus' sake. Now, most of you probably have read through the book of Acts. Remember, that's just a shortened version of, it really is what? Acts of the apostles. It's their life. It's what they did. It's just a record, a short record of what happened. And I'm going to give us a quick brief of chapters 3 and 4. And and also, this message today, I like to go to one passage. I like to break it down. I like to just bring some points through it. That's not this one. So it's a little bit harder. This is actually kind of a 10,000-foot flight over the book of Mark. (laughs) And some of you guys, we went through men's group this past spring, which is great, and we went through the Gospel of Mark together. But it's it's kind of pulling it all together. So no, we're not looking. I'd like you to look at the Word. What I'd like is I'd like three-hour, us sit in a big circle, look at the Word, read the Word, talk about it together. We can't. I'm only given not three hours, right? It's two and a half? Okay. <laughs> two. <laughs> Dropped it again. But uh, 
the, the situation is Peter and John go to the temple. Most of you know the story. They're going to the temple. It's time to pray. There's a gentleman there who's 40 years old. He can't walk. He's been paralyzed since day one of his life in his legs. He can't walk. Try to put yourself there. He gets Peter and John's attention. So he's thinking one thing. What? I'm going to get some money because that's how he lived. He was taken by people to the temple, sat in a mat, on a mat, and he received money. That's how he lived. And Peter, speaking on behalf of both of them, says, no money, but what we do have, and I wish I could say this way more than I can, <laughs> what we do have, what they have, not only the presence of Jesus, I can always bring that, but the power of Jesus. And he said, get up and walk. And what did he do? He reached out his hand. That's faith, because he didn't walk yet. Peter reached out his hand. And if it's me, my knees are shaking. Why? Because I haven't experienced it much before. It was different with Peter and John. They were with Jesus. They saw it. And even after Jesus left, they saw it. They were speaking what? What they had seen and heard. Grabbed him by the hand. What did that guy do? Says he hopped up. He started walking. He started what? Running. He started jumping. It says he held on to Peter and John. Can you imagine being that guy? 40 years. A few of us here are over 40. 40 years not walking. And someone came past them, past them, and said, in Jesus' name, you can walk. Well, the religious leaders, they got a little disturbed because people were getting all excited, and it wasn't because of them. It was because this guy named Jesus, who they had killed, they thought was gone, and these apostles and disciples, they're telling people, oh, no, 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 he's alive. <laughs> he came back. That's what we were singing about today. That was the exciting part. He's alive. His presence is here, and he's doing this. And, and even the people came running to Peter and John, and it says they thought it was because of their power or their godliness. You know what? When God works, it's not because of our power and godliness. It's because of the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what they said. Religious leaders brought them before them, this nice little courtroom, whatever it looked like. By what power and what name are you doing this? <laughs> Peter and John said, you know, you want to know? It's Jesus. That's who it is. But listen to what they said. They actually asked a question. Because just a little bit of context, the these religious leaders, they're, they're taken back. They're like, whoa. They're, they're a little perplexed. Why? Because they're looking at Peter and John, and they realize uh, they didn't go to Gordon-Conwell. They, they're unschooled. They're just ordinary people. But it says they recognized they had been with Jesus. You know what? Andy going to Gordon-Conwell, me Gordon going to Gordon-Conwell, so what? What matters is the presence of God and the power of God and being in his presence. The greatest thing anybody can say about any of us is they look at our lives and they see what's happening and they say what? That person's been with Jesus. That's what changes. And these religious leaders realized uh, we got to be a little careful because all the people are getting excited and they're praising God over this. 
So if we get too forceful, <laughs> they're going to turn on us. So what they do? They threaten him. No more speaking in Jesus' name. Do your own thing. Stay secluded, but stay away from our people, basically, is what they're saying. Here's what's recorded that they said. Which is right in God's sight? To listen to you or to him? See, they're just like me. They didn't want an answer. They knew the answer to the question. And here's what they said afterwards. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What could they not stop talking about? What they had what? Seen and heard. God, do that more in my life. God, do that more in my life. That I'm able to talk about what I'm seeing happening in my own life, in my family's life, in the body here, this life. Because what we spend time around and what we spend looking at, that's what we're talking about. And so today, it's been for me on me all week, it's, it's a mild critique. <laughs> like, wh what are you talking about? Where are we seeing God work? We seeing a lame man who, 40 years old, suddenly walk? It happens. It has happened here, okay? The emphasis today is not that we've, we're blowing it, not that nothing's happening. It's God, and God wants me to say this right now. He loves us way more than we grasp. It's God wanting us to let him do more and more of that right here. My prayer today is that there is going to be something tangible happen that we, this week, will talk about. Because it's not going to be helping people to understand, oh, how, how nice people we are. Oh, that's great, you go to church. It'll be helping people realize there is a God who is real, who loves them, who cares for them, who can transform their lives and can change every part of us. It's interesting, when they left, they went back and they told everyone else, and, and they prayed. You know what they prayed? God, why us? Can you please protect us? We don't understand why we're going through this. And everyone said, nope, that's the wrong translation. It says they went back and they got together, and they said, Lord, you hear their threats. <laughs> you heard what they've been telling us. They said, don't speak in your name. Forget it. Give us boldness. Give us boldness so that we will keep doing it more and more and more. Now I'm going to give a quick of chapter 5, because it says that that's what happened. They kept speaking the Word of God boldly. It says there that people were getting healed. More people were getting healed. It says that they were doing signs and wonders, which is the evidence that God... You know what signs and wonders are? No explanation but one. God did this. And he still does it. He is still doing it. And he's wanting to tell us, I want to do it more and more among you. And let me also say this. It kind of hit me this morning. If we really don't believe the story, if we think it was just a nice something that was penned to inspire us to live better, 
that, well, the guy didn't really get healed, but it's a nice story, so it should inspire you to live your life for Jesus, and, and he'll take care of things. If we really don't believe it, we should have shut the church down 20 months ago. Let me make it closer. We should have shut it down three months ago. But we didn't. Why? Because God is alive. Jesus is resurrected. He sits on the throne, and he wants to work in each of us personally. He wants to work in our families. He wants to work in our relationships. He wants to demonstrate among us that he is here for whatever we go through. Some of you have been walking the road with me the last six months regarding Susan's parents. I'm not going to talk about details, but you've been there. It's not been fun. But we've never wavered on God has a purpose. And we're going to do every step we can for their benefit. There's a song out. You've probably heard it. It's been out for a while. I think the the title, I'm bad on titles of songs, is Refuse. But it's basically saying, I refuse to sit back and do nothing. And the reason we're not sitting back and doing nothing is not because it's her parents. It's because Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to do. And we're going to see some things happen in that. Well, chapter 5, real quickly. All these things are happening. (laughs) People are getting healed. They are seeing signs and wonders. So what do you think the religious leaders responded? They said, we got a real problem here because they were jealous because it says many people were beginning to trust Jesus, have their lives changed. Isn't it amazing, stepping back, they didn't really give a lot of credence to the guy who's 40 years old who just got healed. If you were that person and you were standing side by side with Peter and John and these religious leaders are concerned about you're speaking in the name of Jesus, what would you have wanted to tell them? I'm walking. Nothing's happened for 40 years and I've been around you guys. I hear about Jesus and look it. You got a problem? You need glasses? I'm walking. I'm jumping. Something changed. These people know something's different. And you know what? That's what they're talking about. And they kept talking about it. Well, then all these people are getting saved. The religious leaders, they're getting more upset. They're getting more jealous. They arrest all the apostles. Not just Peter and John. It's all of them. That's a good lesson for us. We're all in it together. You know what? Something happens to two, it happens to all. And the more and more things that are going to happen, and I'm speaking that by faith, that are going to happen in our midst, we're a part of that. They brought them all in. It must have been late at night because they threw them all in jail and said, we'll meet you in the morning. <laughs> Let's pretend it was all of us. Let's pretend this is a jail. We are trying to get out of here, but it's not because it's a jail. <laughs> so pray for the new location. <laughs> Imagine all of it. You're looking around. Where we are often, we'd think, what? Man, we don't deserve this. Who do they think they are? I don't think that's what the apostles were. And they answer that question a little bit later. In the middle of the night, an angel comes and wakes them up. Doors open. He didn't just say, go and hide yourself. What did he say? I want you to go to the temple, and I want you to tell people about this new life. Once you realize it's not a dream, (laughs) they go. So it says all the religious leaders the next morning gathered together. I'd love to have seen that. I don't know how many of them were. There are a lot. 
They're all gathered together. Okay, bring them in. So they go to the jail. The guards are there. Okay, we'll open them. What? They weren't there. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the response when someone comes back in their big assembly and says, uh, we don't know where they're at. The guards are all there. The doors are closed. We just don't know. Friends, once again, I'm going to say this. If we don't really believe that was true, Christianity isn't true. We've got to understand these things really happened, and they can really happen in our lives, or else we might as well just close the doors, say, forget this Jesus thing, and live our own lives. It did happen. My wife and I have been around too many churches that believe life, Christian life is all about, well, just getting saved and then try to do good things the rest of your life. No real power, no more transformation, no, no, baloney. God's word says it happens. It did, it does. And he wants that here more and more and more in our lives. And I hope that's what we want. Well, they, they finally, someone says, hey, they're talking at the temple. They're, they're talking about this Jesus guy again at the temple. So they bring him in, and they basically said, didn't we threaten you? Remember the first time Peter says, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? It wasn't a question this time. <laughs> the disciples just said, we must obey God and not humans. Do you see where persecution and faith and things happening in our lives gets us to? You go from asking people questions to being able to make statements. God did this. You can say whatever you want. You can threaten us however you want, but it's not going to change us. As a result, they were really ticked off. It says they wanted to kill them. Okay, now we sit here on cushy chairs, and no one's coming in and trying to do anything against us. Try to put yourself there. This is new for them. And they have all the religious leaders of that day saying, looking at them, gritting their teeth, snarling, wanting them to be dead. But they just stood there. And it says they put them all out of the room, and one guy stood up, Gamaliel, and he said, you know what? I have this to say. Remember this guy who came about a year ago? He said he was going to change things. He had a group of people following him. He got killed. What happened? They dispersed. It wasn't anything. Then there was another guy about six months ago. He came in and said, I'm going to change things. I don't like the way things are. He had a group of people. He got killed, and what? That ended it. What he was saying is Jesus died. <laughs> So this isn't going to go anywhere. But he did say, if this is of God and you fight it, you're going to lose. Let that sink in for all of us. What God wants to do more and more in our midst, that we will see and hear, and therefore we will what? Talk about it. It will impact more people. It's going to happen because God's in it. What, what was the whole worship this morning? <laughs> Intimacy with God. God fights when we just praise and thank him. He's the one that does the work. And so uh, they flogged them all. That's not just a bad boys. Now go do your, th you know, don't talk about Jesus. 
Flogging was you left with your back in tatters, like a criminal, like someone who went and shot someone, like someone who was arrested and convicted of holding people into slavery, like someone who despises other people and will do whatever to cut their legs out from under them. They walked out of there. You know what? I do a lot of projects. Every now and then I accidentally hit my finger with a hammer. Very seldom, and there's a good reason for that, because it hurts. One smack of my finger with a hammer, and it hurts. Your back ripped open 39 times. And they walked out of there, and they weren't bowing their head. Oh, whoa. They walked out, and they were excited. Why? Because they were counted worthy to suffer the name just like Jesus did. God, help me grow in that. Help us grow in that. To want to see more and more things happen. And then it says that they never stopped teaching and proclaiming about the good news. But I want us to really grasp this. You know why they were so intent and going? It wasn't just because they were saved. It wasn't just because they had an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's also because they saw people getting healed. They saw the power of Satan being removed from people's lives and setting them free. We have seen some of that. But God wants to do so much more, so much more. And friends, I want to say this. He has spoken that over and over and over again to me this week. I've heard it way more than any of you ever will unless you listen to this five times this week, which you won't. But this is what he wants. Now, what do we know about the apostles and disciples? We know these things. Jesus called them to be with him, watch his life, listen to what he taught, watch what he would do, and then he would what? Send them out. And it was great because in the prayer time this morning, Guy was, the very end, was talking about the three things that Jesus did. I said, you know what? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about one of them today. I'm speaking last Sunday of July and last Sunday of August. It'll be about the other two. Three things. Jesus said the kingdom is here. It'll change lives. People are going to get healed physically. And the power of Satan is going to be defeated in people's lives. So the kingdom of God right now, that's our spiritual healing. That's when our spirit reconnects with the spirit of God and he transforms us from the inside out. That's our spiritual, our spirit being healed. The physical healings are our physical body or when our mind or our emotions are affected in a physical way. And God can bring healing. He does. We could, there are examples here of healing. But we want it more and more because you know why? If we haven't seen it recently, and if we aren't talking, if we aren't seeing it and hearing it recently, we're not talking about it. If someone was here today whose leg didn't work and in a few minutes you walked up here with both your legs working, what would we be talking about this week? 
And that's what Jesus is saying. I want to do it more. I just want to do it more in your midst. And the last one is conquering evil. And that is our soul healing. That our minds, our emotions, and our wills are not being influenced by the one. There's two things about that real quick. Casting out a demon, a person who doesn't know Jesus can, can be possessed and needs that evil gone. But a believer can be influenced, and we need that evil gone. So this morning, we're going to focus on the kingdom of God. I know that seemed like a really long intro, but it's not just an intro. It's part of it. Because what will you and I be talking about this week? What we see and you're allowed to talk. What we what? See and hear. What I'd like to do is I'd like to bring all of you down in about these five or six rows so we can really feel like we're together more so. But I won't do that. I'll let you sit where you're at. So what about the kingdom of God? Once again, we're flying at 10,000 feet. Once again, I know most, a lot of you, I know most of you, and I know a lot of you know God's word, and you've gone through it. And so this won't be new. You'll be able to track with me, but let me encourage you. If you want to, this week, get out of concordance, look up kingdom, and look under Mark, and then read the verses, because they're all coming out of that. The kingdom of God is saying, we can be brought into a right relationship with Jesus, and he will transform our whole life. That's it in a nutshell. And so right at the beginning of Mark, it says Jesus came, and here's what he first, the first thing we have recorded. It says the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent, and believe the good news. So all of us were born into this life, but our spirit is separated from the presence of God because of sin. And if you want to try to argue against that, I just ask any of you, did your parents have to train you and go over and over again how to do good things? But they also often had to do what? Tell you how to not do bad things. You know, my parents had to do a lot of don't do that. (laughs) That needs to change. So Jesus said, where does it come to? It comes to repenting and believing, and your life will be transformed. Because we cannot, and go back, and Andy did a great job in the Beatitudes the last four Sundays that he spoke on those, two on a Sunday. And the first, really four, or first two messages, but the four Beatitudes are about getting the point where I got a problem, I'm not in right relationship with Jesus, I can't do anything about my sins. I'm separated from him. But, oh, I'm being told if I repent and say I'm sorry and look to him, he will enter into my life, he will forgive me, and he will make me a new person. That's it in a nutshell. And I know I'm talking to the choir, mostly here, since I know most of you. Then it goes on to say in chapter 2, there's a paralyzed person. I don't know if it was just the legs or legs and arms, but remember the one that they dropped him down through the ceiling, through the roof? Now, don't think of it as a roof like this or a roof on your own house because it would take a lot of chainsaws and stuff to get down through. And it just, but back then, you could get a space open and drop him down into a smaller room. What did Jesus do? 
when that paralyzed person was there on the mat in front of him, saw that his friends brought him and wanted something to happen, the first thing he did, he said, your sins are what? Forgiven. Physical healing matters. We want to see physical healings happen in our life. But the most important healing for any person is what? Their spirit coming into a right relationship with Jesus and being made new. That's the most important thing. And then he also, in that same chapter, he gives an illustration. Someone must need to take care of a child. <laughs> you see all the eyes go whoop. That's okay. That's what we want to take care of children. So I'm just recognizing I know that you're looking at that, and I want to get you back here. So uh, uh, we love our children. We love our, the people who are caring for them and showing them more about Jesus. Uh, but remember, Jesus also spoke, and he said, Who needs a doctor? The answer is sick person. And some of us are even sick, and we still don't like to go to the doctor. But Doctors only have job security. Why? Because people are sick. I like them to have a little less job security because we see people, Jesus healing more people in our midst and around us, uh, but there'll always be the need for them. When you're healthy, you don't think about, oh, I need the doctor. So in our spirit is we will turn to Jesus. We will experience all these songs that we talked about today. And the wonder when we realize we need him. We need him to forgive us. We need a new life. And so he does that. And it's very interesting. In chapter 3, that's where the, this is so funny, the religious leaders are accusing Jesus of casting out demons by how? That, that the forces of evil are ruling over him. <laughs> and, he has to say, and Jesus says, he didn't say, I, my first words would be, that's really stupid. Jesus didn't say that. He treated people a little more kindly. And he said, a kingdom or a house divided against itself will what? Fall. It will crumble. It can't stand. And in the midst of that, he says three, basically three things. I'm way more powerful than Satan. That's why evil is being overcome. That's what has to happen more in our midst, too. He also said, you will be forgiven all your sins. All of them. If we turn to him. He does say there's one sin that will never be forgiven. And if you're his child today, don't worry, it doesn't affect you. The one sin that will never be forgiven is for the person who does not believe that Jesus truly is God and is the Savior of the world and turns to him. That's the one that will never be forgiven. Because one spirit, if you're, if you're there, your spirit is not in relationship with the living God. But that's what he wants. Now, it's very interesting. As I went through and, and listed all the passages in Mark about the kingdom of God, it was interesting, kind of three things stood out. One was, that's how you enter in. You enter in by saying, I got a problem. <laughs> I need my sins forgiven, but there's a solution. Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died, and he resurrected again, and he is seated on high, and he's the one that can change my life. He can forgive my sins. That's exciting. 
But there's also a section in chapter 10, and two things in chapter 10 and one in chapter 12 of Mark. And, and what the Lord caused me is, is something I was looking at this and I got, whoa. And that's always fun when you kind of see, well, that's exciting. It's not exciting what I'm going to talk about, but it's exciting to see what Scripture is there and saying. And the one thing is, it's, it's giving us three misunderstandings about how you enter the kingdom of God. Because there's only one way. It's through saying, I have no, I, friends, I can do a lot of things. I've fixed a lot of things in my life. And I just give praise to God because he'd give me the ability to figure things out and get them done. But I can't do anything about my separation from God. I couldn't do it. When I was 13, I couldn't do it. You believe 47 years ago, realizing, some of you aren't even 47 most of you aren't. But that's, but you know what? My life should be marked way more after 47 years. And it should be marked even more than after last year because of what Jesus is doing. And he wants to do that more and more and more. And so uh, there are three things, and, and people get stuck on these. And, and I believe that most of you here today, if not all of you maybe, have been transformed, sins forgiven, set free, you know Jesus, and you're living in his presence, and you're desiring to grow in him. But maybe some, you aren't. And I just ask you to look to Jesus, ask you to look inside yourself and let him transform you. But there are three things that people think can get them to saved or to Jesus, but they're not true. One of them is, that you can do it based on your own knowledge and wisdom and understanding and know-how and reason. Well, in Mark 10, you probably remember, a bunch of children were running around. And sometimes when children run around, some adults don't really like that. And even affected some of the disciples. And what were they saying? Shh, get them out of here. Let Jesus alone. What did Jesus say? Hey, guys. <laughs> Let the children get over here. You, you stay there. Just let the children come to me. And there, as Jesus had the children around him, he said, unless you become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. It's not how we operate as adults. It's not our because you know so much, because you have wisdom or your reasoning that gets you to God. It doesn't. Also in that same chapter, it's talking there about how you can't get to God by your own efforts. Some people think that they can know enough and get to God. Some people think they can do enough good things to get to God. That's where the rich man comes, if you know. The rich man comes to Jesus. He says, tell me, tell me how, how I can have eternal life. And Jesus lists some of the commandments from the Old Testament. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. It's being worked on right then. He listed some of the commandments. And what did the guy say? Oh, I've done that all. But take a close reading, look at, the, at what, Jesus command, what the commands were that Jesus talked about. It's action commands. It wasn't including the first four. And the first four of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. 
that transform us. Then we can honor our parents. Then we can do this and this and this or not this or not the other thing. And so what is he saying? He's saying, your good works, it's nice. Unsaved people do a lot of good things, but it won't change your life. It won't get you in a right relationship with God. And it says he went away, sad, because there was one issue in his life, and every person has one issue that keeps you from God. And whatever that issue is, it's an idol. Because an idol is anything that you place higher than the living God in your life. And so he walked away, and Jesus says, you know, it's, it's really hard for a rich person to be saved. And he says, it's, it's as hard as a camel going through the eye of a needle. Anyone ever try to make that happen? It's what? What's Jesus saying? It's impossible. And the disciples get it because they said, well, then who can be saved? They're asking that question for their own sake, too. Are, are we really saved? Is this the right thing or not? And Jesus says, with human beings, it's, what's the word? Impossible. But with God, say it with me, all things are possible. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? I believe we do. And if we believe that, more and more things will happen. Not only talking about salvation. What if we had more and more people encountering Jesus in our midst? More and more baptisms. What are we going to be talking about? What we see and what we hear. And more people are going to hear conversations from me and others on not sports, not weather, not politics, not business, not whatever. They're going to be hearing, here's what Jesus is doing in our midst. And it's not because of who we are. It's just we're just letting him do his thing and see more things happen. So you can't enter the kingdom of God by your own understanding or knowledge. You cannot enter the kingdom of God based on your good works. And the real fallacy of that one is, how do you know if you've done enough good works to override the bad works? There's, there's nothing there because it isn't true. But here's a real kicker for a lot of us who've, not a lot of us, a lot of people who've been in the church or around the church. Because in chapter 12, it says there was a religious leader, very sincere, seeking God. He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you're a great teacher. What is the most important, what? Commandment. And Jesus said, love God and love people. So he got a bonus. He got two of them. But that's the essence of what life is about as a believer. We love who? God. And if we truly love God, we will love people. And his response, the religious leader's response was, you've spoken correctly. And he says, it's, living a life like that is more important than making sacrifices. More important than showing up at the temple is what he's saying. More important than some of the things we do. But that relates to a lot of church today. Because a lot of people are just coming to church, maybe, doing, maybe even doing some helping out with children. Maybe they're doing setup. Maybe they're doing some stuff. But here's the crux. Here's the crux of the matter is Jesus said that this gentleman was not, keyword what, not far from the kingdom. But he didn't say he was in 
the kingdom. And so here's where a lot of people don't get it. Is that they think if they know enough about God or they know enough biblical truth, then God will surely love them and change them. I'm sorry. doesn't work that way. I've been around a lot of people like that. It's especially people that have grown up in churches. And they think, well, I know enough about God. And, and, and I know a lot of biblical truth. Friends, the religious leaders of Jesus' day knew a lot of religious truth, knew more than the disciples did. But the disciples knew whom? Jesus. And that changes everything. That's the game changer. You're into sports? That's the game changer. More importantly, you're into life? That's the game changer is Jesus. So I believe most of us here are have entered the kingdom. We're experiencing his presence. We want to see things happen more and more. More people encounter Jesus. More people get healed. More people set free from any demon or demonic activity in their lives. And the more we see that and the more we hear that, the more we will what? Talk about it. Talk about it. What we see, what we hear is what we talk about. Now, the, the final thing is it's more than just entering the kingdom. It's more than just showing up at church. It's more than just doing some things in the church. It's how do we demonstrate God changing us every day? How do we demonstrate that when we're together, it's not just another gathering. If this is just another gathering, I'm stopped coming. I'm going to stay home on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to because I know Jesus is alive and he's working. But if, we, if we're not expecting God to do things, we, we, why show up? It's not just being around people. It's one of the, I think the first song, knowing Jesus more, going after Jesus more, spending time in his presence more. That's what changes us, and that's what changes people in our midst. And so it's demonstrating the kingdom of God. And... Most of you probably know the four parables or the teachings that are in chapter 4. I'm going to hit them very briefly and then get us to the end. One, parable of the sower. If you're a farmer and you throw seed on a hard path, on rocky, where a lot of rocks and stones are, or where there are a bunch of thorns and weeds, what's going to happen? Nothing. The seed is going to die. It may sprout up real quick, and then it will go to nothing. And so what Jesus is saying is, you know what? Some people just they have, a hard life. They, they have a hardness in their life, and that they just reject. It says Satan comes along and takes it. They, they're not encountering Jesus. Other people, they, they kind of get real excited right away. Oh, let me look in this Jesus thing, and, and they kind of there's some excitement there, but there's so much stone and rocks, and they don't let Jesus transform them, and it just what? goes by the wayside. And this third one's the one that affects a lot of people that still go to churches. Thorns and weeds. The plant grows, and it's growing some, but those thorns and weeds, what do they do? Take over. I know some of you like gardening. Some of you like plants. What's the worst thing you hate? Thank you. And what Jesus says when he explains to the disciples, you know what that means? 
People can get excited about Jesus and they can kind of come to church and, and they think they got it somehow, but it says the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of riches or just they want other things. What all those things boil down to? Looking to self and instead of looking to Jesus. But then it says there is seed and the smart farmers throw it where? Good soil. And when it's in good soil, what happens? Say it again, guy. 30, 60, or 100 fold. If you love plants, you love flowers, and you put seed out, and it grows, and it's just all green and no flowers, if it's a flower, it's supposed to be a flower, or if it's tomato plant and it's all green and you get no tomatoes, are you excited? No. Good seed grows, or excuse me, seed in good soil grows and produces 30 more, 60 more, 100 more. You know, and Jesus doesn't say, well, 100 is better than 30, does he? Different seeds produce different amounts. But what do they all do? They produce. And 30 is way more than one. And so what Jesus is saying is when I'm in your life, when I'm in the life of a church group, you're going to see growth 30, 60, 100 times more. Andy, we need a big place if we're going to see even 30% more. And I don't say that facetiously. Is If God is at work, if we allow him to work more in our midst... It's what we're going to be seeing and hearing. It's what we're going to be talking about. And more people are going to be experiencing it. The two other parables, one's about the growing seed. It says, farmer plants a seed, kind of makes sure it's watered in that. What causes the growth? God does. So, friends, however God is going to work in our midst, it's not about us. It's about the supernatural at work. And that's what brings change. Because that's the only thing that can heal a person physically. That's the only thing that can cause Satan to be removed from influencing a person. That's the only thing that can take a person's spirit and transform it because they repent and encounter Jesus. That's it right there. The third parable is about the mustard seed. What do we know about the mustard seed? It's very small. But what does it produce? It produces a bush big enough that birds can come in and land on. So a little wee seed to a big bush, I don't know what the growth of that is, but it's pretty big. And so what Jesus is saying is when the kingdom takes place, when it's demonstrated in each of our lives, and where does it start? It starts with what are we doing every day in relationship to our heart connection and relationship with Jesus? What are we learning? How are we letting him work in our lives? How are we talking to other people about what's Jesus doing? And how are we together manifesting more of who God is in our midst? And this is, this is like, friends, let's get ready for it. And let's let God do more. And let's watch him do more. And then just the last thing is I know that uh, later on in Mark, Jesus quotes from Isaiah, and he's basically saying, Uh, Let me read it. It's best just to read God's word at times. 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Those were the religious people of the day around Jesus. He says, what's he telling to all of us? What matters? What's our heart? What's inside of us? What is connected to the living God that is making my thoughts different, making my emotions different, making my desire to connect with other people different? What is, my, what is happening inside of me that says, I believe that God can heal you? I believe that God wants to show his presence more and more among us. That's what is demonstrating the kingdom. And so I just, I put out to me first (laughs) and all of us second is let's watch God do more in and through us because that's what we're after. And we're living out the kingdom. And just like the disciples, may we tell other people, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And what we will see and hear is going to be the outflow and the overflow of each of our daily walks with Jesus. And I love to present this because you know what? It's Jesus' word that says, my kingdom's there. It's going to change people. My power is there. It's not the people. It's my power in the people that's going to transform lives, heal people, and watch Satan have to flee. Scripture is very clear. When does Satan flee? When we draw near to God. So I hope together that we will just end by looking at ourselves and not saying, whoa, or, you know, I'm so horrible. No, no. It's saying, what? more does God want for us? Because the disciples saw things and heard things because they had been with Jesus. So band, if you'd come back out, I just encourage us during this time as we end, I know there'll be some people up here that if you want to pray with anybody, maybe you just want to sit right in your seat. You want to stand and stay there, that's fine. And this is a, this is a Jesus saying, just let me do more. <laughs> let me show you more. And maybe someone here today needs healed physically. Maybe someone needs the influence of Satan to be gone from your life in a certain area. May we just come together. And the more we see and hear things, the more we're going to talk about it. Let's stand, band, lead us as we seek the Lord together as we end.